Welcome. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. It's good to be here with you guys. Um, I've known Vince and Kenny for a lot of years. Let's see, I moved. I moved here from Seattle in August 2009 to plant a church in the college area, and um, I think I met Vince and Kenny shortly after that. So um, it's good to just be here with you guys and, and get to share the word. Um, I'm 33 years old. I'll just get that out of the way. Anytime I speak somewhere new, I just tell people my age because I know a lot of people are like, how old is this guy? Like, I have one of those faces that people will guess like 21 to 28 now, I think I get. So I'll take 28. It's pretty good. Um, but yeah, 32. I'll be 33 next week, actually. So yep. I have three kids. Um, I have a lovely wife and uh, three kids, a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and over one and a half year old. Their names are Ezra, Rosie, and Jaya. Um, and uh, so that's, um, life is chaotic. That's that's three, four and under if, if you're counting, um, which is a lot to have that are four and under. <laughs> but they're blessings. So yeah, I get to get to be a dad and a husband and a pastor and excited to be here with you guys and, and, and share God's word. Um, why don't you guys just stand with me for the reading of God's word? Um, we're going to be reading 1 John chapter 2, 1 through 6, and chapter 3, 4 through 10. Those are going to be the passages that we're focused on. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. That's chapter 2, 1 through 6. Turn the page to chapter 3, 4 through 10. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother." That's the word of God. You guys can have a seat. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you uh, that we can hear your voice clearly through your word. As we are seeing that song, that, that phrase, it says, let us become more aware of your presence. Why don't we just take a minute uh, and just silent prayer. And just, we're just take a minute to be silent. Just ask the Holy Spirit, ask God to to make you more aware of His presence. And I realize some here probably don't even believe in God. They're not sure if that's where you're at. Uh, Maybe even ask even then, say, God, I'm not sure why I'm here. Maybe a friend drugged me here, but would you make me aware? If you're real, if you're out there, would you show me some of your presence? Let's just take a minute and, and, and ask Him to reveal His presence. Maybe just take a second to speak to the Lord. Ask Him to remove any distractions or burdens or anxieties you're coming in with today that might distract you from hearing His Word. Invite the Holy Spirit to search you today, to seek your heart, soul, and mind, to 
root out things that are not of Jesus. Let your guard down. Let the Lord minister to you. And maybe just ask him to speak to you personally, directly. Invite him to speak. Holy Spirit, uh, make us more aware of your presence today. Make us more aware that this is just a man that we don't know up here speaking, but make us more aware of your words in this text, that you speak directly through us and you just use whatever humans you choose at the time being to get your message across. Make us aware of your presence this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are in 1 John chapter 2. Right off the bat, it starts this. My little children. My little children. Here's, here's how John is going to speak to this church. You see that he's speaking uh, relationally. You, you see that this, this tender love, it's, it's tender parental love language is coming here. Okay, My little children. And, he, and he's going to use this tender love because he wants to talk to them about something very serious. He's saying, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And this is a very important, it's very important that these two things aren't dichotomized. See, what we, we tend to do is, is if someone would speak to us about our sin, if someone would speak to us that we may not sin, that we may not rebel against God, that we might not turn away from God and go our own way, we usually will label that person as kind of uncaring, like jerk, like punk, right? Like, what? Just stay out of my business. Let me do what I want to do. Like, what is your issue? See, in our culture, love, the, the, the height of what our culture kind of says love is, is that you accept everyone and encourage whatever lifestyle, whatever choice, or whatever way they want to go. And, and that is kind of the tender, my little children, my little children, do whatever the H you want, whenever you want, however you want. Right? Yeah. And our culture says that is love. But what if you're walking off a cliff? What if you are killing yourself? What if sin does exactly what the Bible says it does, which, which it is always coming to steal, kill, and destroy you? Yeah. Yeah. Then is that loving? Then is that tender? Then is that caring to just turn a blind eye to, to one another's sin as, as it is slowly tearing them apart? And it is, as it is ripping away their soul. The Bible teaches that sin always separates us from God and it always separates us from one another. And so as sin is in reality separating us further and further from one another, is it tender and loving to turn a blind eye to that? See, the Bible doesn't have that dichotomy. The Bible says Jesus is full of grace and truth. He's full of grace and truth. Right here, we see it right there in those words. My little children, I love you. I care for you. You're, you're like, you're like little babies to me. Like I just want to nurse you and love you and hold you and snuggle you and care for you. But he, but he says, I'm writing to you that you may not sin. Yeah. That you wouldn't take rebellion against the Creator God lightly. And I think that's what good parents do. Good parents have. Serious talks with their kids, right? For for their good. Um, this was about a week ago. My four-year-old, I was just having the worst week of his life. I mean, he was just miserable, fits and tempers, and and and, and the reason why he was having such a terrible time is because his little sister turned three, and it was just like attention to her all the time, presence coming up. We have relatives who spoil the H out of our kids. <laughs> H's for heck, of course. Um, we have relatives, and they just like presents will just keep coming in the mail, you know, just boxes and boxes. And I'll call them like, hey, just one little present, so like maybe a T-shirt or something, just something small. No, the boxes will just keep coming. The grandparents, the aunts, the uncles, the great grandparents, the second cousins, twice removed, like presents just come, you know. 
Um, and so every box, you know, Ezra's just all excited. My four-year-old just, oh, box, man, there's going to be something in there for me. Presents, presents. No, they're just for Rosie. One after another after another. And so he's just having this rough week. He's throwing fits. He's not himself. He's having temper tantrums. And it's just been this rough week. And so finally, I, I just pull him aside in our room. We're just going to, you know, we've been doing discipline, working through things. And finally, I was like, man, we need to have just a long talk, just Daddy and Ez, and we go into the room, and he's upset, and he knows he's, you know, he just thrown a fit, so he's going to get in trouble, and he gets disciplined lovingly multiple times, um, and, and, he, and he's just crying through the discipline, and, and I, I'm realizing that, like, the normal routine of discipline hasn't been affected this past week. There's something deeper going on. We need this moment together, so I'm just asking, hey, buddy, man, are you having a hard week? Are you having a really hard time? And I was like, man, are you sad that Rosie's getting all these presents and you're not getting any presents? And that was it. That was the linchpin. That was the issue. That was the thing going on. And he just, all, oh, you know, the floodgates break loose and he just starts weeping. I mean, he's just the poor little guy. It is just so, so sad, right? He's just, yes, yes, he's getting all these presents and I want some presents. And, oh, you know, just, just oh, but, and I said, man, buddy, I'm so sorry that... You're not getting any presents. You know, this is the my little child moment. Buddy, I'm sorry this has been a hard week for you. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry that, 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 that this has just been rough for you. It's been hard for you to see us celebrate Rosanna and sing to her and her just get caked for days and, you know, all this stuff. And I, I'm so sorry. And he's like, yeah, 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 thanks, Dad, yeah. You know, and he hears me just like, and we're having this moment. And there's, there's this moment where so I, I, I'm, I'm understanding, I'm empathizing with my son and he comes running back to me now. He's not doesn't have his face turned away, and we're snuggling, and I'm holding him, and I'm like, man, it's rough out there, you know? And I'm just like, buddy, do you know why you're having such a hard time? And he's like, why, why? And I was like, but it's because you're selfish. <laughs> selfish, what's self? Selfish is when you only want things for you, and you don't want good things for other people. You see, that's hard for you, isn't it? You, you, you don't want Rose to get any good things. You just want it all for yourself. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's like selfishness, but is sin. It's rebellion against God. It separates you from Rosie. You're not, you're not able to enjoy her. You're not able to enjoy the whole family as we celebrate. You've had no fun this week during her party and during all this stuff. Like, he didn't even eat a cupcake during the party. He's like, I don't want to be part of this, you know? I'm like, you're missing out on all this fun. Can you see that? And he's like, yeah, I see that. I see that. You know, it's like, it's, a, it's no fun to be selfish, actually, buddy. You know, and I'm explaining that. I said, also, it, it means, you know, those that are selfish... Um, Jesus is going to one day come back and he's going to just chop him up with a sword out of his mouth and throw him in an eternal pit of fire to burn forever and ever. <laughs> and I don't talk to my daughters that way. That's not how we do sin. But with my son, that's like his language, you know? He's just like, he gets that. Like, Jesus is not a big deal. When I told him, Jesus, sword out of the mouth, this stuff, he's like, Jesus, yeah, you know? And so he just gets this. Like, this is like, I literally do talk to him about that. Yeah, man, you deserve to be burned in a fire forever and ever and ever. And he's just like, oh, no. I'm like, yeah, you do. But guess what Jesus did for you, bud? <laughs> I said, Jesus died on the cross for you. Jesus took that fire for you because you were so selfish. Jesus took your selfishness for you on the cross. And he starts to see what Jesus did for him. He's like, you don't have to, you don't have to be Jesus' enemy. And you also don't have to live selfishly. Did you know Jesus was never selfish? And I get to talk to him about how Jesus wasn't selfish. And and then if we, we get to follow Jesus and live how Jesus was, and we start working through, I was like, don't you think it'd be more fun to play with Rosie's presence with her, to have cake with her, and, and to be happy when, when your sisters get good things, even if you don't get them? Don't you think that'd actually be more enjoyable? And we start working through this, and eventually we leave, and he's just been transformed. We're able to pray through it and see that this selfishness was killing him. And, but don't you think that was a more loving thing for me, for me to do rather than to throw presents at my kid? To just say, man, Rosie's getting a lot of presents. Let's go buy you stuff because you're, you're upset. That wouldn't get to the root, the heart of the issue, the, the thing that's, that's hurting. There wouldn't be this loving parent. See, this is what John's doing here. He, he sees this church and the chaos and the mess and this stuff. And, and he could just give them all just the good news again. And we're not going to say John's not gospel-centered, right? I don't hope no one's going to say that. This guy writing this who walked with Jesus for three years and... Jesus seems to trust with four books of the Bible to write. 
I think he's gospel-centered. I think he's grace-filled. Yet, he's writing these things to you so that you may not sin. He's pleading with his spiritual children to fight sin and to fight sin together. Let's continue down to verse 4. It says this, Whoever says, I know him, I know Jesus, I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, I love Jesus, I want to be about Jesus' stuff, I got the Jesus sticker on my car. (laughs) Whoever says, I know him, but but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Is a liar and the truth is not. Here's the thing. If you say, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, I follow Jesus, you don't get to just go live your own way anymore. Yeah. You, you can't have both things. So you could say, I don't want to follow Jesus. I want nothing to do with Jesus because I want to go do things my own way. Okay, you are free to do that. But you can't say, I'm all about Jesus. I love Jesus. I, I come to New City on Sundays and I do that. But the, the rest of my life, I do what I want when I want. And you better not kind of edge into these things because these are the things that are like my things. We'll talk about this. We'll do a Bible study together. But this right here, this is personal. Don't touch that. Right? I think one of the best just pictures of idolatry. Idolatry is anything that... So we are created to worship. Anything that we worship other than Jesus, that we give our time, treasure, our talent, our emotions, our heart to other than Jesus is an idol. And, and these things that we have are idols. Some of you, it, it's your relationships. Maybe, you know, um, you're, you're dating a non-Christian or something. You're just like, you can talk to me about all this stuff. Don't talk to me about that. This is my idol. Don't talk to me about my job. I know I'm working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. And I've got no time for family or no time to sacrifice. Don't talk to me about that. Some of it's like money. Don't talk to my money. See, the, the way you know what your idol is, the things that you do, no one can talk about it. You get defensive. And have you guys seen The, the Lord of the Rings? You're in the first one. Um, I always get all the Hobbit's names. I think it's Bilbo Baggins, right? Bilbo Baggins, he first brings out the ring, and Bilbo's just, oh, this nice little friendly Hobbit. Oh, come on over and quaint little Hobbit home, and everyone's enjoying this nice little Hobbit life. And then someone kind of goes to touch the ring, and remember, like, it's a, everyone jumped in the theater when this happened. You go to touch the ring, and he just, he just goes all like green face and like psycho on you, and just like, Pah! because the ring was his idol. It was everything was fine. You can sit in my home, you can do this, you can do that. Don't touch that. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. If there's something that Jesus is calling you to obey, speaking to you to obey, and you don't keep that thing, or at least aren't repenting and striving and desiring to keep that thing, God's word here is calling you a liar. And he's saying the truth is not in you. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in Him. This is, this is good stuff here. Verse 6. Whoever says he abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. I, I think the word ought here is, is a very good word for this. It's allowing like we're going we're gonna to keep sinning. We're going to make mistakes. We're, we're going to screw up. But we ought to be growing in godliness. We ought to be walking more and more in the ways that Jesus walked. Chapter 3, verse 9 says it this way. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. This is touching on the doctrine of regeneration, which is this idea of being born again. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. You must be born again. And what it is is that we, we had these old dead hearts. And, and these hearts couldn't obey God if they wanted to. They couldn't keep his commandments if they wanted to. They couldn't love Jesus if they wanted to. And the Holy Spirit comes and he puts the seed of God, the seed of Jesus, into our hearts. And there's this new life that, that starts to form within our being. Okay? It's, we're born again. And what happens is this new life, this new regeneration, this thing that happens, it gives us a new ought to. 
Before, we ought to do whatever we wanted, whenever we wanted. Now we've been born of God. The God touches us. His seed is born inside of us. And all of a sudden, you have this strange sense where you like want to start obeying God. You, you have this strange draw. And maybe some of that's, that's going on in you right now. You're like, I don't know why I'm in San Diego High School, the home of the cavers. I don't know what a caver even is. <laughs> But I'm here, and I don't know why they're singing about Jesus, and I'm kind of like, I like want to sing too, but I think this is weird still. I don't know why they're singing. I think it's weird, but, but I kind of want to sing. What is going on? And you might be born again a Christian and not even know it yet. Because God in His grace has put His seed inside of you. And it, it is growing, and you're getting new ought tos. Yeah. I remember I, um, right when I first got saved, I got saved, and following Jesus, and I'm getting all these new ought-tos, and it's messing with my mind. Um, and I'll give you a backstory. Like, growing up, one of the things I took most pride in was my ability to beat the system. You know, to like, get into places for free, and like, I got, one time I got into a carnival for free. And you know, whatever, you get the carnival for free, that saves you a few bucks, but it's like, I want to do all the rides and games for free. Um, so, a little trick, don't do this. Um, <laughs> I went up to one of the workers at working one of the rides, and I just asked him, hey, what's your manager's name? I want to apply here. I'm interested in his job. Oh, you know, manager's Jim, so-and-so. Oh, okay, great. Then I just went to every ride and game and said, hey, I'm friends with Jim so-and-so. He says I can go on for free. And they're just like, hey, go on for free. Yep, you know, I helped on for free to the rides, all the games, winning prizes. Jim so-and-so says I can do this free. Oh, he did. Okay, go for it. And just I just gamed the system. And I love doing stuff like that. Um, <laughs> And I wouldn't steal, like, I was like, stealing was, I was against stealing. But manipulating the system, that was not stealing in my mind. You can see how screwed up this mind is. Um, I was like, I wouldn't take $10 out of the little, like, carnival game thing if it was sitting there and I could get away with it. No, never. But I'll rip the game off for $50 in a second and bring on the stuffed animal. Uh, anyhow, I meet Jesus. And I just uh, left jobs before I was working at Fox Sports Net, and we had these Fox Sports name tags, and we could use these name tags. We had like a sponsorship deal with Chipotle at the time, um, and we, we could go into Chipotle, and because of some of the sponsorship, like the employees there, I think we could get free burritos or like super discounted ones. I think there might have even been free uh, for this period of time. Anyways, I'm not working there anymore, but I still have my Fox Sports name tag. So I go in, you know, get my free burrito, check out, and snag it. But now I love Jesus, and it's like a day later, and I'm praying, and, and I just felt like the Lord saying, like, what's the deal? You stole that burrito. And I'm like, what do you mean, what's the deal? I, didn't, I have a name tag. Hey, you don't work there anymore, the dude, you don't, you don't work at Fox Point. No, but I did for years. Yeah, but, well, it's not a big deal, God. What is the deal here? We're talking about one burrito. I mean, it's Chipotle. This isn't like... California breed or nothing. This is just Chipotle, you know, and I'm negotiating with God, and I just feel like God just speaks to me, and He just says, Okay, so that's what I'm worth to you. Now remember, it's like six bucks, God, and then He's like, Oh, it's six bucks, so that's it? That's what I'm worth to you. That's how much honor my name is to you. It's about six bucks. And I was just like, I'm sitting in my car, and I'm just convicted. All right, God, well, what do I do? I follow Jesus now, and He gave me this new ought to, and I went back to Chipotle and I just went through, asked, can I speak to a manager? And I explained the name tag. I said, like, I don't actually work there anymore, so really I stole this and whatnot. And they're just looking at me like, why are you telling us this? <laughs> they're literally like, no one's ever done this before. Why are you telling us this? I don't get this. And I'm like, well, I don't know either. I just started following Jesus and it just seemed like I shouldn't be doing this anymore. And and God had given me a new ought to. There's this, this seed born in, and he's begin changing me. So we ought to be growing in godliness. Things that we used to do, we don't do anymore because we now walk in the ways that Jesus walked. He begins changing us and changing us. I wanted to use um, just the seven deadly sins just to give us a grid. And I just want, I'm just going to work through them, ask some questions and just... To ask ourselves, examine ourselves, ask the Holy Spirit, am I growing in godliness in, in some of these areas? Am I growing in godliness in some of these areas? So here's, here are the wrath. Am I growing in patience versus anger? Is, does God have access to my temper? 
Does God have access to my mouth? Is my mouth a wrathful mouth? Or is it upbuilding and edifying and encouraging? Ephesians, um, Ephesians 4 talks about that, that everything that comes out of a Christian's mouth should be grace to the ears that hear it. It should be like a gift to their ears. Ask yourself, is what comes out of my mouth wrathful or is it a gift to people's ears? Is it sloppy or is it encouraging and edifying and does it build up? Gluttony. Gluttony. To consume more than one requires. Am I growing in self-control? Am I growing in, in moderation? See, if you meet Jesus and, and you're fat and you're obese and you're, you're uh, lazy and unhealthy and way overeating food, you should be growing in, in, in health and in self-control and, in, and even in fitness. And if you met Jesus and you're anorexic and you look at food the opposite direction, anorexic, bulimic, and over-obsessed, you should be growing and eating food healthily and having self-control on the opposite end of that. Gluttony too just be are you addicted there? The things that you are addicted to, you, you are over you overconsume it. Drugs, alcohol, uh, energy drinks. Today there's so many people that are literally just, you're just addicted to energy drinks. I was just reading Time magazine about like energy drinks are like super gonna kill the whole world, you know, one of those scare articles. Um, but as Christians we shouldn't be a, a, a gluttonous on anything. It's not fad diets or fad trends or anything. it's just we're growing in steady self-control we're growing and living out moderation lust lust are, are you growing in the purity of your mind and in your thoughts and in your eyes do you see other people humans body parts and crave them for your own or do you see what's out there and give glory to God is this something that God is growing you in if you came into Christianity as a porn addict are you fighting that pornography addiction and growing in more purity and in more health if you came into a Christian and you were the flirt guy and you just flirted with every single girl and you tagged them all along made them all think that you're interested in them but are you growing out of that and growing in maternity so that you could be a one woman man are you growing out of lust pride I like this definition of pride it says this it's Pride is excessive beliefs in one's own abilities that interferes with the individual's recognition of the grace of God. Excessive belief in one's own abilities that interferes with the individual's recognition of the grace of God. Are you growing to understand that, that the gifts you have are given from God and the praise is to go to Him and there aren't things that you've earned and the praise is to go to you? Are you growing in humility? I think one sign of pride, um, you, you start to grow and mature out of pointless quarreling. The Bible warns about time Paul, especially when he's writing to Timothy, especially when he's writing to young men. So young men, listen to this. Paul's just like, he, he, avoid pointless quarrels. Again, our talk is to be upbuilding and edifying and not just a fight like to the death over... I don't know what music is best or something. Just ridiculous. We will quarrel over the most ridiculous things. Just fight, fight, bicker, bicker, fight, fight. And this tension just rises. And are you fighting all the time, bickering all the time, quarreling all the time? Do you have to be right? You have to be right. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. But you've got to be right. That is pride. And you should be growing and maturing out of that. Google has helped with this. There's this point in the fights. It's like, well, I'm going to Google it. Don't you Google it! I'm right. Yeah, Google says you're not. Don't believe everything the internet says. Right? Are we growing in humility? Greed versus generous. Greed versus generous. Growing out of, uh, of this closed-fisted, everything is mine. Greed it is really the heart saying it is mine. It's this closed-fisted, I have to have it, and then I have to get more. Right? Ebenezer Scrooge. What was he known for? He was known for counting his money. He just, he didn't, everything was his and, and, and he, he just wanted to count it and obsess over it and think about it and, and try to get more versus generosity and contentment. 
The opposite of greed is generosity. You give it away. Your hands are open with what you have because you believe it all belongs to God anyway. And contentment, you're satisfied with what you have. This is what God has given me. So I am content. Paul, uh, another uh, Bible author here, he says, I've learned, I've learned the secret of contentment. I've learned the secret of contentment when I have plenty and when I'm one and in want. He says, I so love Jesus and I so understand what Jesus has done for me that when I have loads of stuff, I'm content with it. I don't need more. I don't need less. And when I got nothing, I'm content with it. And he says this while he's in prison and he's cold. He's like, hey, send me some books to read, some boards and like a jacket because this is like a cement hole. And he says, but I have joy and I am content. I'm not greedy here. Sloth. Sloth is the avoidance of physical or spiritual work. Versus diligence and perseverance. See, to fight sin, some, some of the reasons we don't fight sin, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Some of the reasons we don't fight sin and we're not growing in godliness is we're just slothful. Yeah. Spiritual disciplines are disciplines. They're, they're the sense of like, I'm going to persevere and praying with the Lord. And there's this phrase I heard that pray until you really pray. It takes some discipline to hear from the Lord. It's not always, I mean, sometimes it is. Sometimes you're just walking the Spirit in such a way. You're like, hey, God, what's up? What's up, son? I love you. You're beloved. Oh, man, I know I'm beloved. Thank you. Reminding me. This is great. I just love it. Other times you're just pleading on your knees like, God, anything. Where are you? Right? Oh, yeah. Sometimes it's with the Bible, right? Sometimes you're reading. You're like, I don't know what this is saying. Like, oh, just what words are these? (laughs) So many of them. Where do I start? How did I get into a bit of kiss again? <laughs> and other times it's like one verse and you're just meditating it all day and you're skipping about, you know. Like, oh, the Lord, the Bible, I love the Bible. You don't love your Bible? <laughs> right, but there, there's some, it's called spiritual disciplines because there is some work and some perseverance. Like, you know, I will hear from the Lord today. There's this diligence that I'm not going to let the lies of the world and the culture and how I've always lived dictate how I'm going to feel today. I'm actually going to work to to make sure what God has done, who God is, God's promises will dictate how I will feel and live out this day. That takes some labor on a daily basis. The sloth avoids physical and spiritual work. I meet so many people that are, that are unemployed. I'm, oh, so what are you doing? How are you, you know, are you looking for a job? How's the job search going? Oh, yeah, dude, I like Googled three things and filled out three like applications online today. Okay, cool. Did you like go to any places in person? How many any resumes? Call them up, follow up with anyone. You know, oh, yeah, actually, I got two job offers, but they're kind of beneath me. Beneath you? Beneath not working? Like, it's work. Right? Diligent. We work. We persevere. We're hard. I don't think we have any clue how hard. Like, we'll just, we'll be like, sometimes we can just trample on grace. Right? We'll just trample all over it. Like, these dudes were working hard. Like, they're just going around, like, barefoot, getting whipped in the back, telling people about Jesus. And then building tents on the side to pay for the whole deal. I don't think we have any idea how hard they were working because we're, we're, we live in such a culture that values luxury. Yeah. And this is just a side point. Luxury is not true spiritual rest. Going to see the latest movie because I just need to shut my mind off on this. And I'm not against this. I'm just trying to see the latest movies. I want to go see Ant-Man, you know. Haven't yet. One, two. I heard it got better. Some of you are looking at me. You want to see Ant-Man? No, they said it's really good. Okay? And I like all the Marvel books. <laughs> and, and movies. Where was I going? Ant-Man distracted me. What was I saying right before that? Luxury is not spiritual rest. That's the idea. Right? Thank you. Right? 
spiritual. You will actually get deeper rest into your soul and your being and a deeper ability to fight sin so that you may not sin when you work out the spiritual disciplines. Fasting, prayer, time in your word. It is hard work. Serving, ministering to others. Have you ever served someone just said just kind of just, just broke your back serving and at the end felt felt more rest for your soul than you do when you just do like a Netflix binge? Like, oh, all I need today is a Netflix binge. Five hours later, I feel worse than I've ever felt before. <laughs> I once saw someone shoot my dog and I felt better then than I do now. Sorry, dog lovers. Like, that's too close to home. Envy. To desire others' traits, status, abilities, or situation. Envy. You want what others have. This is that selfishness. This is like the story that was going on with my son and my daughter, right? He's just envying her her birthday, and it it steals from him. I'd say envy versus being a good friend. Being a good friend who wants good for others. Jesus called it the greatest commandment. To love God and love others. You want others' success. You praise evidences of God's grace in others' life. You want good for them. Versus being just caught up in envy and wanting what other people have. So we ought to be growing in godliness. Chapter 3, verse 8. says this. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Verse 10 says it this way. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. John, my little children, I love you. I care for you. Look, if you sin, you're of the devil. If you sin, not just the seven deadly sins... Even the smallest little sin, the sin that you're like, no, these are small sin. This isn't a big deal. This doesn't matter. John would say that's of the devil. So when you are walking in this sin that that you know is sin, you are churning in disobedience. When you are not actively living to walk as Jesus walked, to fight sin, to die sin, he's saying you are living like a child of Satan. John, I think more than any often, this is one of the reasons I like him. He paints a polarized picture throughout uh, this book of 1 John. He will talk about light and darkness. He says, in God there is no darkness at all. He says, in Jesus, in him there is no sin at all. Light and darkness. He'll talk about truth and the lie. He'll talk about child of God or child of Satan. He will talk about love your brother or hate your brother. And so many times what we like to do is just flirt with sin. Right? Just, no, no, I'm not really walking in the dark. I'm not a child of Satan. I'm not just continuing. I'm just flirting with sin. I'm just entertaining sin. Yeah. I'm just entertaining. When you are entertaining these thoughts of sin, when you wake up and you're just lusting after women, you're just entertaining. Oh, I'm not acting on it right now. I'm just letting Satan tell me whatever he wants to tell me about this woman so I can consume that for myself. You're living of the devil. You're entertaining Satan. You may as well just set up a table, put a nice chair there, and just get some cups of tea and say, Satan, let's chat. That's the picture that John paints here. It should be frightening to us. It should be a strong reminder that our choices matter. Your choices really matter. You, you can choose to live out of this new identity of child of the light. To walk in truth. To walk in the ways that he walked. To live righteous as he is righteous. Or you can choose to stay in darkness. But if we're honest and you look at this list. And you see the, the, how Jesus is described here. Chapter 3, verse 5, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. When you see those two polarized, that look, look, light can't have any darkness in it. 1 John chapter 1, 
is where it says God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And we know we've sinned. We know we could just go through the small sample. Seven at least is a small sample of sins. Oh, check, check, check. Double check. And it puts us in the spot. We know there's small sins that we put with. It puts us in the spot that if we're honest and we're looking at the polarity that John paints here, what side do we belong on? If we're honest, we're a child of the devil. If we're honest, we're, we've walked in darkness. We've sinned, and in Him there is no sin at all. And if we're honest, we need a Savior, don't we? Amen. We need someone outside of us to rescue us, to transfer us from darkness to light. And that's who Jesus is, and that's what Jesus has done. And that's why in verse 1, verse 1b, the second part, He says this, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But, oh, praise God for the buts in the Bible. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. What a name for him. Jesus Christ the righteous. We have an advocate with the Father. We say we have someone on our side, someone advocating us, someone helping us, someone supporting us. With the Father. It's Jesus Christ the righteous. And God the Father. He sees our sin. He sees our darkness. He sees our situation. And Jesus Christ the righteous. Says don't worry Father. They're with me. Don't worry. I've, I've taken. Eh, let's not go there yet. Verse 2. Says this. Verse 2. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Propitiation for our sins. Here's a definition of propitiation I like. It says this. A sacrifice that bears God's wrath and turns it to favor. A sacrifice that bears God's wrath and turns it to favor. And so God the Father sees that we are children of the devil. What do we deserve? We deserve His wrath. And Jesus Christ on the cross became a propitiation for our sins. He took the wrath of God that we deserved. He became unrighteous so we might be righteous. He became and experienced utter darkness so that we might be transferred to light. He died so that we might live. And He became the propitiation. He took God's wrath that was coming for us and He churned it to God's favor. This is what He's done for us. This is a free gift. If you're here, you don't know Jesus, you can receive and follow Him today. And it's not based, it's not based on your ability to not sin. Because we don't, we're not, no one's going to make it if that's what it's based on. It's based on the, on the truth that Jesus came and lived our life and in him there was no sin. It is based entirely on who he is and what he has done for us. That's why we can receive this freely. And that gives us a new motivation to fight sin. Because we... We can't lose in this battle. We've already won in this battle. Even the habitual sins that you've had the, the, the longest amount of time in your life, Christ has defeated those and invites you to walk in the freedom from it even now. He is that victorious. Look at chapter 3, 5. It says this, You know that He appeared in order to take away sins. This is why Jesus appeared. To take away sins. And, and he's continuing to do that work even if you're following him now. He appeared to take away the crippling sins in your life now. On a daily basis. He takes away the, the penalty from them, from your past. So that you can be called righteous. So you can be called just. So you can be transferred from darkness to light. From child of the devil to child of God. He takes them away then. But he's also daily taking away. He appeared to take away the power of sin over your life. So the sins that you always said yes to. 
Yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll disobey. Yes, I'll walk into this. You now have a new power to say no to that sin. And instead, yes to Jesus. And this is why Jesus appeared. It says he appeared to take away the sins. I think he's going to accomplish why he appeared. Verse 8 says this. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. See, Jesus is not done. He is here today working to destroy the works of the devil. And the devil wants to keep the works that he has worked in your life going. But Jesus appeared so he could destroy those works. Some of you have been abused and hurt and have experienced the works of the devil very closely. Jesus comes not just to forgive you of your sins, but to undo and destroy the works of when you've been sinned against. Every work of the devil, Jesus has appeared and will appear again one day to completely destroy, to completely undo the works of the devil. He is in the business of pushing back darkness with light. He transfers us from darkness to light. And that's what, that's what true community does together. You see, I want, I want to invite you guys to be a church that destroys the works of the devil together. Amen. Whether it's acts of mercy in your city and neighborhood, just gentle acts of love in your workplace, whether it's speaking truth to one another, I encourage you to be a, be a church that is passionate. Not slothful or lazy, but, but wakes up in the morning saying, let's destroy the works of the devil today. That's what Jesus is doing. And we love Jesus and we follow Jesus. So let's do it with him. Amen? Let's be an authentic community that hates sin together. And fight sin together. If sin separates us from God and from one another, what we talked about at the very beginning, then, then a community that's fighting for true community is going to fight to destroy that sin so we might have more unity experienced with God and unity with one another experienced. And I say experienced there because we are perfectly, eternally unified in Christ if you have received His free gift. But we don't always experience that when we keep allowing sin in our life. We're not experiencing the reality that he has given us. But we get to fight to experience that reality together so that we might have authentic community. And this is why John is writing to his little children that you may not sin. I'm just going to give us five practicals for fighting sin together. Just close with this. I won't take long on these. Number one, confess it as sin. If you have sin in your life, don't try to dress it up. Don't try to play it down. Just own it. Guys, I'm lazy and it is sin. Confess it to one another and confess it as sin. Yeah. Guys, I'm, I, I can't go a day without five coffees and four energy drinks. And that's, I'm not going to call that my circumstance anymore. I'm not going to call it because I have ten kids anymore. I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to call it sin. Okay? Confess it as sin to one another and own it as sin. Number two, stop doing it. It, it seems... Uh, too simple or too... There's, repentance really just means stop sinning. Stop believing what you're believing and churn a- another way. I, I learned this one from my wife. She had a friend who... It is a silly example, but it was a real example. friend that always bit her fingernails, bit her fingernails, bit her fingernails. And she was like in the group, Guys, just pray for me. I want to stop biting my fingernails. I'm so tired of biting my fingernails. And my wife just goes, Well, stop biting your fingernails. Uh, I can do that? Yeah. Just... Next time you want to, don't do it. Okay. Hey, she just stopped. She just stopped biting her fingernails. Right? It was like, but sometimes that's, you know, sometimes that's all it is with the sin in our life. Like, this is sin. It's clearly sin. God's called it sin. He's convicted me that it's sin. Should I keep doing it? No. You can just stop. Number three. Identify the lie and speak the truth. Find out with sin, what, what are the lies that you believe that, that, that keep you running to this disobedience? What is it promising you that where it continues to fail? And this is where we really help each other as a community. Identifying, like, man, I think you're believing that, that Netflix binges give you true rest. When really Christ gives you true rest. When He is your rest. When He is the one that your soul thirsts for. 
anyone that drinks from any other well will always be thirsty again. Right? So identify the lie and speak the truth and use God's word. Use God's word as you speak the truth. It is pure. Number four, follow Jesus together. Follow Jesus together. See, Jesus is, is leading us somewhere. Yeah. And so this is an act of doing good, living on mission, serving, giving, blessing people. This is, you're following Jesus. Jesus was very active. Right? You, you run out of time to sin because you're so busy following Jesus into a life of giving yourself away. Francis Chan is a pastor in this new. He, he, people ask him, like, oh, what's your seat between your, your marriage with your wife and you guys don't fight and this and that? And he's like, we really, we just don't have time to fight. That's what he said. He's like, me and my wife, we don't have time to fight because we're, we're, we're too busy working together to give ourselves away, to, to serve our city, to serve broken, to raise awareness about hungry and other nations. They're just too busy following Jesus on his mission as he loves others to have the sin of fighting in their marriage. So number four, just follow Jesus. Get about what he's doing. You won't have time for sin anymore. And you're just like, oh, I was going to sin at three, but no, we are going to love the neighbor. Sir, we're going to help in this yard. Shoot, there goes that. <laughs> and number five is pray, pray, pray. The Holy Spirit has never had a disobedient thought, feeling, our action. The Holy Spirit always honors the Father and honors Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is with us. If we have received Jesus, you receive the Spirit freely. And so pray. Ask the Spirit. Spirit, help me not to sin. My flesh wants to. Lead me not into temptation, Jesus teaches them to pray. Lead me not into temptation. Pray, pray, pray. Pray against the sins that you struggle with. Pray for your community to fight sin. Pray that the works of the devil would be destroyed in your life. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for this opportunity to come and be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you that you and your grace have transferred us from darkness into light. I pray if there's anyone here and they feel stuck in some sort of sin, God, that they would first receive your incredible mercy and grace and forgiveness for that. And second, Lord, that they would begin to walk in the light as you are light. I pray for those that are here that don't know you. They're not even sure what they're thinking right now. Lord, would you reveal yourself to them? Would you speak to them? Would you show them that you deeply love them? You died to rescue them. Jesus, we just want to praise you. In you, there is no sin. In you, there is no darkness, deception, deceit at all. Father, if we could take a peek at your entire life, every action, every thought, all that we would see would be glorious all of the time, forever and ever. We love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name.